Welcome to episode 21 of the Mindset Project, Ryan Waite here. Don't forget to subscribe to the Mindset Project on iTunes or your platform of choice. Also, check out my website, www.ryanwaiteperformance.com for all my products and services if you haven't already done so. Into today's episode, and it's with a, a friend of mine who I haven't connected with for some time. Uh, his name is Dane Bergman. Now, Dane travels the world. He calls himself a lifestyle entrepreneur, which means he prioritizes his life around experiences, relationships, uh, being able to immerse himself in a culture of, of a country. He left Australia's shores when he was about 20, 21, 22, after the loss of his father. And he talks about how that has allowed him to put a bit of perspective on his life and and not to waste a second on this planet. So it's it's a really intriguing episode for mine because we have this premise of the the picket fence, the car, the house, the family, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but Dane just comes at things from a from a different angle, and that's what I like to do here on the on the mindset project is add, add value to people from all types of different angles. Uh, and, and Dane's philosophy is that he's not running from something, he's actually running to something. And and that something is, like I said before, experiences, relationships, stepping outside his comfort zone to immerse himself in, in the culture of a particular country. Uh, there's plenty of things we cover here. He, he, his his favourite place, his visitors of all time, uh, where his next venture is, uh, the top two or three travel tips. Now, whether be concerned about security and terrorism when we do travel abroad, all these things we, we tap into, but also we tap into the mindset of Dane and, and what the future looks like. I mean, he, he's just ticked over 30. And can he sustain his lifestyle? Can he keep doing what he's doing? And that is travel the world. And, you know, it's an intriguing it's intriguing look inside a mind of a guy who's who's really got his stuff together, but just doing it a different way um, than the premise of the picket fence, like I said before. So uh, whether you've travelled a lot, whether you're looking to travel, whether you haven't travelled at all, um, this episode will, will definitely hit the mark. For those people looking to view life from a different lens, albeit briefly, uh, just one thing, I uh, was a little bit off. Uh, I was a little bit off colour this particular day. I did record the, the podcast very early here in Australia. Dane uh, bases himself in Vancouver, Canada. So just a, just a tip for everyone out there. If you've got a big meeting, if you've got a, uh, whether it's a presentation or a, or a speaking engagement or whatever it might be, a sporting event, be, be sure to, to switch the mind on, but getting up a bit earlier and you know, getting some exercise or something to sharpen the mind. I was a little bit off color. I was feeling a little bit sick. So I don't think I was at my sharpest throughout this episode, but Dane more than makes up for for me being just that little bit off. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Dane Bergman from the Lifestyle Empire. Enjoy. Dane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, my man. How are you doing? I'm going well. I'm going well. It's uh, nice and early here in Australia, so it's, it's a privilege to have you as my... First international guest of sorts. You are an, an Aussie bloke, but you are living abroad, and that's what I want to tap into over the next sort of half an hour, forty minutes, on in terms of why you've made that call to live abroad. Now, what the what are the pros and cons of travelling, living so far away from your friends and family? And uh, yeah, I said I'm really keen to get uh, my teeth into this episode, Dane. So massively appreciate your time. No worries at all, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's it's an honour to be on, and I'm glad we can we can uh, we can chat across the world these days with the technology. So yeah, it's absolutely. it's good. It makes the make what I do a lot easier, and it makes things like this and staying in contact with everybody uh, much simpler than it was, say, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So it's all good. Yeah. Okay. So talking of the past, let's let's go back there and, and let's tell everyone a bit about what you're doing now and, and how you made that decision to you know, move away and travel and and really. I suppose, become rich in experiences and, and why that's so important to you. So let's sort of backtrack sort of 10 years and, and lead us up to how you landed yourself as a lifestyle entrepreneur living abroad and traveling the world. Yeah, yeah. So we um, graduated school, I think, a year a year after you in, uh, in 2004 from, or maybe two years after you, in uh, at St. Patrick's College. And then 
sort of didn't really know what I was going to do with myself. I knew that I didn't want to go straight into university because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I didn't want to just apply for a course and then, you know, hope for the best. So, uh, yeah, the next best thing was I headed up north to where, uh, where my dad lived up in Darwin and just um, started playing football. And that sort of set the course for the next few years where I was playing football around Australia in Darwin. They play in the in the, uh, the opposite side of the year to, to down south. So I got to sort of play football all year round and that allowed me to, to travel and, and do that. But it was, um, you know, I was only 18 years old, so I was exposed to a lot of people who were older than me because um, of, uh, you know, living away from home and everything. And uh, a few people had, had been overseas traveling and I'd, I'd thought about it, but hadn't really given it much of a, um, you know, much of a second second thought. And then I heard all these stories about traveling through Southeast Asia and Central America and through Europe uh, from, you know, people in their, in their mid-20s. And that just really intrigued me. So, uh, yeah, once I, once I got the time, I think it was a football trip actually to Thailand, which is pretty usual of the... Mm of the Australians to take their first overseas trip and I spent a month in Thailand first 10 days on the footy trip and the rest was just backpacking around and um, from then on I just I'd just been hooked on the experiences the people the cultures and just the the adventures you can get up to when you you know you're you're lost and alone in a, in a foreign country really so just on that I mean everyone's got an experience with their first uh, time or trip overseas uh, do you do you remember that first trip when you got off the airplane, stepped into Thailand, and, and what the feeling was? And did you did you embrace that, or did, was it something that was very foreign to you at the time? And go, look, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, I think at the start, I definitely embraced it. But being with, um, you know, I didn't go solo for the first time, so I had a bunch of the guys from from the football club, so that all made it pretty easy. Um, but yeah, it actually actually had a pretty uh, my first sort of panic attack as well while I was there and it came came along with after the uh, the football trip was over I flew up from um we were down in uh Copenhagen and I flew up from there to to Bangkok so it was my first time traveling alone and um uh you know in, in a foreign country anywhere really so it was all going smooth sailing but then I sort of I just got a little bit anxious I guess after my first day and I was I wasn't staying in a hostel I was staying in in more of a hotel sort of things. I think it was called, uh, just off Kosan Road, Butri Village Inn. But anyway, it was like, it almost looked like a psychi- psychiatric ward of all the white buildings and it was just me in my room by myself. I had white sheets, white walls, a white TV in the corner. And um, yeah, it kind of just played a trick on my on, on my mind and I sort of got a little bit anxious. So I ended up spending all day inside sort of watching movies and then I sort of went to sleep and the next night I woke up and I hadn't really spoken to anybody. And... Yeah, I just had a bit of a panic attack where I was freaking out and I started looking out my window at people downstairs and like spying on them and seeing, you know, who is, what everybody is doing because I got so nervous to go out into this this foreign zone of, um, you know, of just the unknown, which these days is what I crave, is what I what I go for. But that first experience, it was, um, yeah, it sort of just caught me off guard and after about two days, I, I called my mate up who was in Cambodia and he was coming, um, coming across to meet me and I was like, quick get over here I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy in this, yeah. <laughs> this sterile white building but um but yeah so you know after that after he got there we went out exploring again and then I really got to see you know the mayhem that is Coast Sand Road and, and and the different cultures and you know ate everything from cockroaches to crickets and spiders and did everything you do in in Thailand but yeah it definitely was an eye-opening experience for me to um you know just be be, be alone basically in a, in a foreign country in a, in a foreign environment so just on that day so you've, you've you've had the footy trip experience which is you know unique in itself in a, in a foreign country you, you you've traveled by yourself you've had a bit of a panic attack so was there was there a temptation to go look i'm just going to go back home go back inside my comfort zone or was there always that was always that appeal to go right i've done this i've overcome the worst of it now i just want to see the world yeah there was while it was happening, I definitely wanted to go home. All I could think of is I wanted to go back to my comfort zone. I wanted to go back to uh, back to Darwin or, or Cairns or wherever I was living at the time. And, um, you know, just just call it quits. But then, uh, you know, I sort of, after the, uh, the 48 hours of me being in this little reclusive zone passed, you know, I really got to experience, um, experience you know, the, the, the fruits of travel and what they offer. And I got to experience all these new foods and these different people and these different cultures 
and, and religions and yeah and that and that that one trip especially the last the last two weeks of it after I come out of that little that little bubble really opened up my eyes to uh, to what's out there and really spark my interest so yeah I definitely thought about going home but it was mainly while there you know the the anxiety was was going on rather than when I got back once I got back to Australia I was like okay I, w- I want to go overseas again yeah for sure for sure so when did you officially make the call to, to live abroad and, and you know, not own a house, not own a car and really just you know be rich in experiences and see as much as you can while you can? Yeah, that sort of that sort of came along over the next little while. I I went back to Australia for another year and then it wasn't until um, my, my girlfriend at the time actually was, was a Canadian girl and that was the reason that I, I moved to Canada originally, uh, so her visa expired, and I, I jumped across the pond to uh, to Vancouver. Um, you know, and, and even then, it was more just it was travel and it was the experience, but it, I still hadn't even been exposed to um, you know this community of of travelers or, or digital nomads or lifestyle entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call mm. them, basically. Um, and and yeah, I guess. You know, I'd been in Canada for about two months and um, I got a phone call. My, my dad was sick, actually. Um, he'd been in hospital for a little while, but it wasn't anything too bad. And then um, I got a phone call late one night from my mum and she was just saying that, you know, things aren't looking that good. The doctors are doing everything they can. Uh, my dad had pulmonary fibrosis, um, just to sort of set the scene a little bit. But, um, yeah, so, you know, that, that gave me quite a fright and I flew home. Uh, the next day, and I got back and actually spent spent two days with him before he, he passed away, actually. So after that, you know, at 22 years old, living in a foreign country with no real sort of, you know, a friendship base or anything like that, um, it just really, it really sort of put into perspective for me, uh, you know, things that are important and things that, you know, I let myself get worked up about or worried about and things that I let, you know, dictate how I live my life. So, you know, it's, it's one of the one of the stories where you have to sort of be put in the position where you have a loss or you have a great a significant moment in your life, and then you sort of get that clarity and perspective after it. There so is, yeah, in around about twenty two, yeah. Yeah, okay. And there is a perception out there, wrongly or, or, or rightly, that people like yourself who are you know lifestyle entrepreneurs and live abroad and just you know just thrive on that chase of travel that they're running from something. Do you think that's the case? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wondered that for a long time and people, people like sort of ask me a bunch of questions about traveling, what I'm doing, where I'm going, my favorite country, what's the weirdest food I've eaten, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you've always got answers for that. But then one day, uh, over here in Canada, actually, I was just having a chat with, um, a bartender over here and one, one of the, a girl assistant at the bar chatting and she actually stumped me. She said, she goes, oh, so she's like, what are you, what are you running from? You've been mm-hmm. traveling for eight years now. Like, what are you running from? And I, I was like, oh. Oh, I, I don't know. Like I, did, I'd never even thought about it before. I didn't have, I didn't have an answer for her, and it really, it really played with my mind for the next like three or four days. I was, I was laying in bed. And I'm like, what am I running from? Like, am I, am I running from university and the fact that I don't want to go back to the textbooks? Am I running from, you know, the, the death of my father, or am I running from responsibility and you know and and being a grown up and everything like that? And I, I didn't really have an answer for a long time, and then, you know, it's. A, to me um the fact that myself particularly but i think a lot of people who, who travel long term that from anything rather we're running to something mm. and to me that is more about running to running to excitement running to adventure running to these new experiences that you know you can really only get from 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 traveling and from traveling long term and you know running to the cultures and to the people and the foods and the different relationships that you can have you know, that you wouldn't be able to spark up in just a conventional, you know, in the status quo sort of way of life. So, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, some people do for sure. I'm sure some people are on the run from something and, and don't want to deal with it so they can distract themselves through travel. But for me personally and a lot of people I've spoken to, it's more the fact that you're these these ideas that you're running towards rather than rather than from. So you mentioned those questions before they get asked about, you know, favourite place, you know, best culture, favourite food, all those things. I want. To, I will come back to that, but I want to talk a bit about the. I want to ask the question uh, more so on the pros and cons, and let's start with the the cons because I want to finish with it, obviously with the positive. But what are the what are the negatives of, of traveling uh, the world? 
Yeah, there's, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a few for sure. And, um, you know, in, in, I think that the, the pros outweigh the cons for sure. And that's why I keep doing it. But, you know, there's definitely a sacrifice that comes with, with this kind of lifestyle. And, you know, I think number one is, um, time, you know, until I went home to Australia last time, I actually hadn't seen my mom in nearly four years. Mm. So it was, it was quite a long time. So you definitely sacrifice that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that we're, that we're a distant family and we don't spend a lot of time, um, you know, quality time together when we are together or that we say, you know, we don't talk for four years, you know, especially with, with like this, with Skype and with, you know, with technology these days, you can stay in contact. But yeah, being, being close to your, your family is definitely one physically close to your family. Sorry. is definitely one, one con that, that comes to mind. Um, and you know, that goes with friends as well. And, and you know what, you know, if you, if you grew up in a, in a town where you want to live, you know, you have to sacrifice that. Um, I think another thing is, uh, you know, this this is more of a, a pro to me, but it is it is um, for some people it's it's stability, if you will, or it's that that comfort zone of um, you know having having a steady job, if you know if that's what you want, and and having the basically the ideals of what you know the status quo is the the job, the car, the house, the family, and everything like that. And you can definitely have these while you travel as well, but um, you know it's it's something that you definitely have to sacrifice to uh to keep doing it so yeah you know there's that um a really big one with me as well is also um having to say goodbye to a lot of people mm. you know it's when you're, when you're on you meet you're basically forced into cramming one year's worth of a friendship into sometimes a couple of days you know you get to know someone so well you get to know them um, you know, inside and out, you might live with them. You might be sleeping next to them. You could travel together for two or three weeks, and you really build up this great friendship. And then at the end of it, you sort of say, you know, it's not goodbye, but it's, it's see you later. But you know that you know a lot of the t- times you're not going to ever see this person again. So that's definitely a uh, definitely a con, you know. But it also makes you really appreciate the times you do get to spend together as well, because you know it's it could be coming to an end pretty soon. Absolutely, and I'll, I want to get to the obviously the positives uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit later on. Of course, I want to I want to work out you know what makes you tick and and, and how you how you decide where to go because I know you you pride yourself on getting off the beaten track. Before we go there, uh, a lot of people you know in a, in that normal life uh, with quotation marks that you mentioned before would say, look, if I had time and I had money, I would travel. If I had time, if I had money, I would travel. I hear it all the time. You've obviously got time, and one thing that, that travel isn't, or it can be, but it, it is expensive. How do you how do you generate income to service your your lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. Once again, one of the most popular questions I get asked all the time: How, how do you do it? How do you afford it? How do you? And basically, the the, the simple question to it is: um, you know, I've it's it's I've made my lifestyle be based around travel yep. rather around so travel for me comes first and that that goes with the the jobs that i select to do the places i select to live in um the the purchases i choose to buy you know it's sort of travels travels my number one thing well it has been for the last you know 10 12 years anyway but um in terms of affording it it's it's uh it's priorities really you know mm-hmm. so with i think everybody you earn, especially in, you know, in the Western world, and a lot of the, a lot of parts of the world, you earn you earn a decent wage a lot of the time. Um, and so, a lot of the time, it's not the fact that people don't have the money, or maybe you know, certain people don't not that they don't have the money, but it's where they're spending it, right? So, you know, as we mentioned before, I don't own a house, so I don't have any mortgage payments. Um, I don't own a car, so I don't have any uh, insurance um, registration. I don't have the initial upfront cost of the car either. Um, uh, and with my with my savings as well, you know, I don't, I don't buy stupid shit. <laughs> if you will, you know, so you know, I'm happy to, you know, for me, I always look at things. If not, you know, and this is not everything. You know, I do buy stupid shit every now and then, and it's not like I just live under a freaking a rock and just with a backpack. You know, I do, I do like my creature comforts as well. But I just, yeah, I ask myself a question. I'm like, you know, how much will this detract from my next trip, or do I really need this, or I just, do I just want it because I read an article on it yesterday, sort of thing. So. Yeah, I think having your priorities set up um, to be based around your, your travel savings. And for me, I you know I have a set amount of money I put away each week or each month, and that goes in there no matter what. And then I pay my um, you know my necessary um, liabilities, be it rent, phone bill, food, 
and then you know the rest goes in there. So I save first and spend what's left, rather than spend and save what's left. And that's that's such a big one because otherwise, you know, before you know it, you've you've spent half your paycheck, and then you do your your, ne- your necessary uh, liabilities, and then there's just a little bit left over to save. So that's no, how I go about it. Nice, nice, mate. And and just to let the listeners know, and I think it's important to put out there, you you do put a price over your head for a model shot. Is that is that correct? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't do it, but my agent does. Yes. Right. So you, you do. You, I get to do a few shoots sometimes. Yeah. Nice. And do you do that? Do you do that on the run in terms of different countries, or that's mainly based in Canada? That's mainly based here. I've never never done this before. This sort of just came along in the last uh, the last twelve months, thirteen months since I've been in Vancouver, and um, I'm with an agency over here called Real Athlete. So you know, I definitely don't look at myself and think that I'm a model or an actor. I definitely don't call myself an actor, but. You know, if, if um, a client wants a bearded-looking, rugged, lumberjack sort of guy, then, you know, <laughs> then I'm your guy. But if they want a, if they want a, a catwalk model, then, you know, I'm not going to book that job. So, yeah, you know, I think it's just it's a, it's an opportunity I think most people should should do because really, you know, it, it just comes down to if you've, if you've got the look that the client wants. And that can be absolutely anything in any, any genre and any specific type. So, yeah, I've been lucky enough to book a few – book a few gigs and make a bit of money and also go to some really cool locations um yeah and that's sort of that money i say it's it's my boys boys account so it's it goes into the traveling and, and you know and my camera stuff and everything like that awesome awesome all right now the the magic question that everyone asks what's the best place you've been to today <laughs> the magic question and the yeah, most one of the most asked to I don't know, mate. It's it's so hard to narrow it down to the best mm. uh, or my favourite place because really every country's had had something great. I know everybody says that, but you know it, it really, really does. It doesn't matter where you are. There's always there's always something great to take away from it. But um, I can give you a couple of answers instead of one. How about we Absolutely. we do that? And I knew that it was a bit of a loaded question, mate, because I know what it's yeah. like for people <laughs> asking. So I think for um, for raw beauty um, and in terms of landscape. And just wild, yeah, wild beauty, I think, would have to say Iceland. Iceland or Norway, they're both just phenomenal countries. But um, I spent I spent um, a month last year, actually, uh, a good friend of mine, Shay, and I, we circumnavigated by bicycle. We rode, a, rode around the country 1,700 kilometers, and that was sort of on the to-do list to cycle across the country. And we did that, which was phenomenal, but the... Every day we'd wake up and we'd, we'd get on these freaking bikes and, you know, your ass is absolutely thumping. It's so sore. Your legs are sore. I had Achilles tendonitis in both Achilles and yep. we were just tired and you're sitting on this bike for 14 hours, but we couldn't stop smiling just because, you know, we constantly said it feels like we stepped into a postcard because you've got the you've got the ocean on one side, you've got sea level glaciers, mountains, volcanoes, you know, super quiet parts of, in Iceland, peak hour traffic is like, one car every 20 minutes so it's you know it's completely it's just like desolate beauty out there but it was absolutely fantastic so that'd be probably my answer for the landscape the most beautiful country yeah that or, or norway yes um yeah so that's phenomenal and then i'm gonna have to go to uh to central america where um, i spent about 18 months in central and south america and i've been back four times to to guatemala yeah, and okay. it's just a country that stole my heart from the first time I got there. The um, it's such a diverse country in terms of landscape and, and things to do. The ocean, you've got the mountains, you've got the, the highlands. But um, the main part about Guatemala that I like are the people. They're just they're so caring, so generous. Um, you know, a lot of times they have very little, but they give everything they can, and that that goes beyond possessions. That goes to their heart. That goes to their their you know their kitchen, their, their house, their family, um, and they're just such beautiful and welcoming people that that uh yeah for for like beautiful people then yeah i definitely have to say guatemala and i'll be going back again i might even go back again later this year i need to need to uh dust off the old spanish workbooks and the, and go down there and do some more salsa but yeah guatemala for sure for just phenomenal people yeah nice, nice. So, I think, yeah that'd be my two answers two okay and you don't strike me as a, as a box digger in the sense you don't want to just tick off you know, I've been to 180 countries, but I mean, just to let the listeners, I give, the, I suppose, get an inside <clears throat> perception of, of where you're at with your travel. I mean, are you, are you looking at doing, you know, 200 countries in 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 your lifetime? Well, that's not important. So it's more about the the quality than the quantity. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I've got a, about a seven-page bucket list actually. That's up, it's on my website. You can you can check it out. But on there is um, one of my goals is to go to every country in the world. And that's not you know it's not one of these ones where I'm going to every country as quick as I can and be the young person or do it all and spend a day in each country. That's not how I travel. You know, yeah. this is a lifelong goal. And, you know, I plan, I, I want to visit every single country and I'm sure as I go through my life, more countries will open up. So, um, yeah, I want to go to all, I think it's 197 last time I checked around about then, give yeah. or take. Um, and I'm at the moment, I'm, you know, I'm way down the bottom. I'm at 34 countries at the moment across five continents. So going on that, on that record, I've still got a long way to go if I, if I stick to this pace, but that's kind of you know, that's my sort of way of traveling is to go to a country and really experience it and immerse myself in the, in the culture and, and the people and, you know, spend a good chunk of time there and then move on to the next and probably go back a few times as well. You've only got to look in the media at the present <clears throat> around security. Yeah, a lot of people are putting off their holidays or changing their plans because of what they see in the media. Have you ever had any, you know, any issues with security? Is it, has, have you ever had to change your plans because of it? No, but I've never had to. I've never had to change a flight. I've never wanted to change a flight, and I probably never will. Um, you know, I think. You know, I, I don't watch the news personally. I don't really watch television. All I haven't watched the news in close to four or five years. Yeah. And you know, uh, big enough. I'm going to hear about it anyway through word of mouth and, and certain different sources. But you know, I find that news is very sensationalist and it's propaganda driven, and it's all about being first these days. So it's just for me, it's not a very factual resource. Um, and they're always going to point out the negative because we all know that, you know, stories sell, fear sells. Mm. So I try not to listen to them. But, um, yeah, if, you know, if there was probably to stick to the current, like, media, you know, if there was a terrorist attack somewhere, would it stop me from going to the country? No, it wouldn't stop me from going there. Um, you know, I'd be much, I'd be cautious as I am in everywhere I go, but it definitely hasn't stopped me. I've had, I haven't had any real issues in terms of security. I have had things that happen, you know, I've had things stolen and I've had, um, you know, I've had some small little incidences where, you know, there's bribery and everything like that. But uh, for every, you know, negative incident, there's been two, 3,000 times where, you know, the, the generosity of people have just blown me away and the compassion of people. So I think that's one thing that travels really is despite what we see on the news and what we're told and, you know, the opinions that we develop because of, you know, the, the you know, where, where we get our, our our information from. Um, one thing that I've really learned is that people are inherently good yeah. uh, uh, and they, they do really want to help. So, you know, that's, and that goes for every country I've been to. Yeah, no, spot on. I think you're right. When you, when you do travel, and I've traveled a little bit, I mean, nowhere near the extent that you have, but you do actually see that, you know, 99.9% of the population are good, you know. Yeah, exactly. I remember traveling, you know, I remember traveling through the States last year with, with my wife and we got caught in a bit of a pickle on one particular day and yeah I mean the amount of people that went out of their way to help us that day was phenomenal um, yeah. there's a perception out there that Americans are arrogant they're this they're selfish but that couldn't be further from the truth from, from our experience on that particular day and on that particular trip yeah exactly right and I think that that goes it goes for everywhere you go and everything you hear about you know People sort of do this generalised blanket opinion of, of a country or, or people or a race or religion, whatever, and they just think that, you know, every single person is represented by that one little idea that they have. So, you know, and that's, you know, that really come back to me as well in um, in my first trip is sort of where I decided to throw that that idea out the window. And um, I'd been told going to Thailand that, you know, you have to watch your bag all the time mm. because... Uh, you know, the local people, they want your possessions, they want what you got, you know, you're going to look after your bag, they're going to steal it, they're going to take it off the bus and everything. So the first three or four days of my travels, I'll never forget this, I remember taking an overnight bus and every single time the bus stopped, which <laughs> in Thailand is like every 20 minutes, yeah. I'd get up and I'd look, I'd get up and I'd walk across the bus and I'd look out the window and I'd make sure no one was stealing my bag. And I did this over and over and over again all night, I didn't even sleep because I was so... I'd been told that my bag was going to get stolen, so I was so cautious of it. And then after like three or four bus trips, you know, I'd get there and I'd go look and my bag's still there. Usually like a local person's carrying my bag to me, dusting it off and saying thank you and everything. And I'm like, what is, how come no one's stealing my bag? Like what's going on? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of just decided then and there to, that until I experience, put myself in, the, in a position to experience it myself, then... You know, I'm not going to hold uh, hold an opinion towards anything until I can actually get out there and set my own opinion. Because what somebody else said, 
what you read, what you see on the news, you know, that's that's somebody else's opinion. And it is valid, but, you know, that's no reason that I should adapt that, that opinion and viewpoint as well. So is there any, any place or any country, city, town that you wouldn't go back to? That I wouldn't go yeah, back would, to? Yeah, would not go back to because of your experience there? Or everywhere you've uh, been has been unbelievably good? No, you know, there's, there's been drawbacks, there's been negative places, and there's been places that I haven't liked, you know. Um, I took a, I sailed from Panama to Colombia um, through the San Blas Islands, and yep. the actual the swell was too big, so we couldn't shoot across the open ocean to Cartagena in Colombia. So we actually had to come down along um, right near the Darien Gap, which is, you know, really, really famous for drug smuggling, and it's one of the only places, in, I think, in the world where... You, this insurance won't cover you to go there and everything along these lines. So we, we sailed right down along the side of that and we actually we stopped in the first town uh, in Colombia where there's you can't get there unless you take a boat. There's no roads. There's no cars at the time. And what was it called? It was called uh, Zarapogana, actually. Zarapogana, I think. It might be a lot more developed now. This was back in 2011 when I was there. But, uh, yeah, and we had to take a speedboat across to this place called Turbo and... You know, nothing went wrong, nothing happened, but it was just a town that was just very, very dirty. It's, it's very, it is a dangerous town as well, mm. and, you know, it definitely wasn't on, on the highlight reel of, of, of the travel. So, you know, I wouldn't be in a race to go back there, but there's no reason, you know, that I wouldn't go back there, and I think that applies to, to most places. You know, I haven't had a, an experience bad enough to, to warrant me not wanting to go back at some stage, but I think the hardest problem is, you know, there's so many places to go to, mm. so, you know, why go back to somewhere you've already been? But then again, you know, I've been to Guatemala four times, so yeah, <laughs> sort exactly. of that, the foot. And that's always that internal uh, debate you have. You know, you, you go to one place when you're traveling, you'd love to go back there, but then there's all these other places that you'd love to go as well. It's, uh, I mean, is that something that, that you grapple with all the time? I mean, like you said, you've oh, been man, back to Guatemala. ridiculous, yeah. I mean, is there something... I mean, like, so, sorry, buddy. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just going to ask you, off the back of that question, you know, where's the where's the next number one bucket list um, venue or, or sorry place in the world for you yeah to uh to answer the first part of the question it's like yeah um, you know I, I'm definitely I call it squirrel syndrome you know you see this new thing you're like oh I want to go there and oh, I want to do that but that's the hardest part is, is setting a to-do list and not only that setting a time frame of when you're going to do these things and when you want to do it and when it fits into your other schedule and I just listened to a uh, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fanboy and I was listening to a podcast he had on the other day with um I think his name is Murray Carter from Carter Cutlery. But anyway, this guy, he, he went to uh, Japan when he was 18 years old and then spent the next 18 years there um, training under um, uh, a, a Japanese bladesmith there. And he became, I think, one of the first um, the first white men to be to be um, inducted into, he was like 17th generation Yoshimoto bladesmith, which I thought was super cool. And, you know, and then I listened to it, and I listened to the podcast, and after that, I'm like, right, I'm going to Japan. I want to go to Japan. I want to learn Japanese because it's a different alphabet. It's super hard. I don't know. I know very, very little about Japanese culture. And I'm like, I'm going there. I'm going to move there. I'm going to do some karate. So, you know, I definitely have this syndrome where I hear something, and I'm like, all right, that's going on the list, and yeah. sort of just figuring that. But um, that's definitely a problem in itself. <laughs> For sure. But, uh, I heard that. I haven't next, finished that podcast, yeah. but I've heard the first half, and I've got to finish that off. But phenomenal story. And Yeah, I think I – think, you know, just backing over it, I think he was only going to stay there for 12 months and end up staying there, like you said, for 17 years. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, exactly right. He went over there in, in school and then fell in love with it and came back, learned the language, I think, in, in the States and then went back to uh, to dedicate his life to becoming a bladesmith, yeah, and spent 17 years there. So it's, um, yeah, phenomenal story, super, really interesting guy. Um, uh, yeah, and to answer the second part of the question, um, what's next on the list and what's my next sort of my, – my, my big ambitious bucket list guy would be the next on the list is Alaska. I head off to Alaska on um, July 6th, so about two, two and a half weeks, I think. Yep. And, uh, I'm heading up there with a good friend of mine. And um, the main purpose of the trip is to, uh, besides getting off the beaten track and getting, uh, you know, going up to visit Denali National Park and, and hopefully seeing some grizzlies out in the wild, is um, uh, I was very inspired by the movie um, and the book, actually, by uh, John Krakow, Into the Wild. Yep. A lot of people have seen it, you know, it's, it's a very inspiring book and, you know, lots of critical acclaim and also lots of, lots of praise. But, um, yeah, I was so inspired by, by the way that um, uh, 
uh, Christian McCandless went about his life that I, I always said I wanted to go and, and visit that, that school bus that he lived in, Magic Bus, that's up in the uh, the Alaskan Alaskan wilderness up there. So this this uh, July we're actually heading up there. We're going to go up to um, find Anchorage into Denali and then we go up to the, the northeast corner outside of uh, Denali to Healy and then we've got a 50-mile uh, trek along the Stampede Trail to get to the, um, the bus from Into the Wild. And we'll spend a night there and then hopefully not get eaten alive by the mosquitoes and whatever else is out there and then come back and um, fly back to Vancouver after that. So just a quick little 10-day trip, but, yeah, the whole purpose. And that's been on the bucket list now for a long time. Perfect. And I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said you'll come back. So if, you, if your family and close friends are listening, you are going to come back after that uh, into the wild trip. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, can't take any, uh, can't make any promises, but that's the plan <laughs> at the moment, mate. Just get, You're gonna just dodge and weave as they come towards you. <laughs> just get, make sure you get bitten by the mosquitoes, not the, uh, not the grizzlies up that way. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. We'll, we'll have all the proper precautions in place, but you know, a lot of the time it's, it's you just gotta, you gotta roll with the punches, I guess. But no, it'll, it, it'll be fine. And the guy I'm going with, uh, Matt Sutherland, he, you know, he's a, He's another crazy adventurer. He actually met him. He's from Ballarat, actually. We went to Ballarat High School. Mm. And he, um, he, uh, I met him in Canada, but we really got to know each other we, in Nicaragua. He was actually riding a motorbike from Vancouver all the way down to um, Ushuaia in the southern tip of Argentina. And I, I ran into him uh, in Nicaragua, and then we, uh, we became mates, and we sort of traveled together for the next five months throughout Central and South America. Nice. So um, nice. he, he's been in a few few situations as well. So it's always good to have somebody out there that that doesn't mind getting a bit over um, over their head. <laughs> Absolutely. And just just while we're on that, I'm conscious of your time, mate. But what are the I'm going to say top three travel tips? Obviously, you know you know what to take, where to stay, you know who to interact with. I don't want to steal your answers from you, but what would be your top three travel tips? Whether it's a a 10-day trip or a 10-week trip? Yep, uh, so top three. I'd say, and this is going to like go <laughs> gonna go against my first story from Thailand, yep. but, you know, at some stage, whether it's, it might not be your first trip, but go and travel solo. Travel by yourself. Um, it's, it's just such a different experience to when you go in a group or where, even when you go with one other person because, you know, it's, it is a it is a a creature comfort to just constantly go back to that one person and speak, you know, and, you know, you'll just, you'll just hang out with them a lot more, um, which is fine, you know, don't get me wrong, but I find that, you know, 90% of my travel is by myself and the reason for that is, is just basically the opportunities that present themselves and the situations that present themselves when you are travelling solo. You know, if, um, if you're by yourself and you're in a hostel and you don't know anybody, you're not going to know anybody unless you put yourself out you know, and go and, and go and meet some people. So, and from there, you know, that, that can change the whole idea of your trip, the whole purpose of your trip, the whole direction of it. And, you know, you can meet some people who are a great bunch of dudes and they want to go to this pyramid that you were, didn't even know about. And the next day, before you know it, you're on the back of a motorbike, you go into this pyramid and you've got lifelong friends or, or whatever, you know. So that's really, really great. I think it's also very good to travel alone because it gives you time to be alone. And that's one thing in the modern world we don't really do. We don't, you know, we're so distracted by everything that, we're very, very rarely alone with our own thoughts. Um, and so I think that's really, really key to be able to do that because sometimes solo travel force you to do for a long period of time to be on your own and be, be stuck with your thoughts. And you can actually do some thinking and, you know, healing, grieving, whatever it is you, you might need. Could be nothing, but, you know, it's, um, that's a key point. So that would be, that'd be my number one tip is to go by yourself at some stage yeah. and, you know, put yourself out of your comfort zone. Uh, the other one is, is go for as long as you can. Lots of people ask me, oh, how long do I need to go to Guatemala? How long do I need to go to South America? How long do I need to go to Canada? And my response is, how long do you have? And go for that. If you can take six weeks, go for the six weeks. If you can take 10 weeks, go for the 10 weeks. So go as long as you can because very, very rarely do you hear from people who are like, oh, God, I wish I came home a month ago. Mm. You know, it's always like it gets the time to board the plane and nobody ever wants to go home or go back to whatever they're going back to. So... Uh, yeah, definitely go for as long as you can. Um, just to, sorry, and, just to, sorry, mate. Yeah. Just to, with that, I mean, everyone has this. Has this? Uh, I suppose it's look. It's a first world problem. Don't get me wrong, but it's still an issue mm-hmm. in terms of okay. I've got a month to travel through Europe. Do I go to four places and really immerse myself in those places, or do I try and see ten places? You know, across that four weeks. 
What would be your tip there? Is it is it case by case, or is there a foolproof um, strategy with that? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely case by case, but I, def, I I think there is a better way to do it from what I found. And um, you know, if you don't only have a month, and the sole purpose of your trip is to visit thirty freaking countries in Europe, it sounds horrendous to me. But <laughs> yeah, you know, that does. might be what what they want to do. So you know, book book on with the Kentucky, you don't have to worry about anything, you know, you don't have to book your accommodation, everything's done, you're told when to get up, when to eat breakfast, when to get on the bus, when to scratch your ass, when to get off the bus, you know, so, you know, it's, it's done, it's easy, you go visit all the places, you'll get an hour at each, at each tourist destination to check it out, so that is good if that's the purpose of your trip, um, but, you know, how I do it and how I recommend a lot of people do it is book a flight there, book a flight home, book your first night accommodation, and then from there, just just see, you know, just see where you end up. And it could be that the first place you get to is absolutely amazing, and you don't want to go, and you want to spend ninety percent of your four weeks there, meeting different families, different people, and you know, snowboarding. Who knows? Whatever the whatever the, that first town offers you, so you can do it. But if you've got your accommodation booked out for for every single night on that trip, you know, you can't. A lot of the times you can't cancel it or it's a bit of a fuck around to get online and cancel it all and try to get your money back and try to get your refunds back. So, yeah, book a flight in, book a flight out, have the first night or two organized with accommodation just so, you know, you can get there, get your bearings and decide what you want to do. But from then, just keep it open because, you know, you just never know where you're going to end up or what you like or who you'll meet and that's that's the best part. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people go and travel and they call it vacation or they call it like a getaway from work, but then they structure their whole holiday to be exactly like work, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you got to get up this, do this, do this. It's all organized. Sure. While that's that's great for some people, for me, it's like if you want to get away and relax and experience and and just wander, then yeah, man, keep it. Have a have a basic backbone, an entry point, exit point, and then just see where you go from there. Perfect advice, Dane. Just two. Sometimes, two, I hope so. <laughs> two. Two themes I want to finish with. Uh, the first one is you obviously keep yourself very fit, uh, you know, and active because you always know, say if you're disciplined with your body, you, you can you're allowed to be more adventurous with it. And I think that uh, hits hits uh, you know you exactly where your place. But just when you travel, is is fitness a big part of your travel? Is it something you do on the side? And, and if it is a big part, how do you do it? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And. I think as I've um, as I've gotten older with traveling, it's definitely become more of a, a complete lifestyle with me with traveling and in- incorporating fitness. I definitely do like to stay fit all the time because, you know, growing up as an athlete, I find that if you're not exerting yourself or putting yourself under the stress of, of working out or, or running or whatever it is, you know, you just you don't feel you don't feel like you're firing on all cylinders. You don't feel good. You don't you feel myself personally. I feel a bit mentally cluttered. Mm. Uh, you know, I feel sluggish. I feel like I'm just, you know, I can't sleep. I get restless legs, and that that may be a, a case of undiagnosed hyperactivity or something. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely important for me. Um, but I am also very very open, right? So I, I like to work out. Um, these days, I, you know, I don't really work out at a gym anymore. I'm more into calisthenics, so I do that, and that that plays right into the hands of travel because there's no equipment really at all that you need. Sometimes I'll take resistance bands, um, but that's pretty much the extent of my um, of my my travel workout um, equipment list, if you will. So, yeah, so I definitely, you know, running, uh, calisthenics, everything like that. But a lot of my travel is also very active. So I'll be hiking mountains or surfing or, or, or riding a bike around Iceland. So, you know, while I was riding 14 hours a day, I wasn't doing sit-ups when I got into camp that night. It was, you know, it sort of take, took care of itself. But, um, yeah, I definitely think it's a, it's a key role. And it's something we can all do, but, you know, you've got to balance it between what you're doing spending you know overnights on buses the last thing you feel like doing is working out but once you actually work out you feel good the next you know after you finish it up and then there's the whole you know party scene that you got to balance out because you know I definitely did as well when I was younger when I when I traveled I was partying a lot and drinking a lot so it was always hard to uh to wake up with a hangover and then you know want to go and go for a run or go for a, a workout or anything like that but yeah, it's definitely definitely nowadays travel and fitness is more a complete lifestyle package that I sort of like to give myself and just keep myself feeling uh, on top of my game, I guess. For sure. My theory on, on that is obviously exercise enhances the experience that you're in. So people mm-hmm. are spending X amount of money to go see places. Well, 
and they don't exercise. And I'm thinking, well, if you spend so much money to see an experience and, and be a part of experience, throw exercise in there and it's going to enhance that experience again. So I, I just think it's a no-brainer from, from where I sit. Yeah, sure, you need time to relax and, you know, and, and put your feet up, but I just think that it's a, a bit of a no-brainer to uh, get the best out of that experience you can by putting exercise along alongside your, your travel. Absolutely, and that's, you know, and there's... there's there's the, uh, you know, biochemical um, benefits are going to come. So, you know, you work out, you're going to get that endorphin release, you're going to get the, the dopamine um, and and the release and everything. So you're naturally going to, chemically you're going to feel better, physically you're going to feel better. I find mental clutter clears out as well. But not only that, I think, and this is, you know, this is another tip as well. One of the best ways to discover a new city is to chuck on a pair of runners yeah. and just go run and run through it, you know, head out your door, head left and just run as straight as you want or do a big circle. And, you know, you'll just come across different places that you won't normally see that are off the, you know, off the, the well-trodden track of the of the tour guides and everything like that. So, you know, you can cruise along. You might find a, a great little restaurant that you saw and you go check it out later on and you can meet people from there. You run up and find beautiful viewpoints and everything. So, yeah, that's that's one of my go-tos as soon as I get to a, country, a new city. Just chuck on a pair of runners and head out and get a little bit lost and get a sweat on and try to find my way back to the hostel. Couldn't agree Which with that. Which doesn't always happen. <laughs> <laughs> but couldn't agree, couldn't agree with that more, uh, Dane. All right, last one, mate, and this is probably something you get asked all the time, and I'm personally intrigued. What's the end game for Dane Bergman? I mean, no doubt people will say to you, you can't travel forever. Do you want to have a family? Do you want to settle down? I mean, what's the end game look like for you over the next 10, 20 years, if you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I don't, I don't think that I could... Um you know, pin the tail on the donkey exactly to what I'll be doing or where I'll be in, in 10 or 20. But um, I've definitely, my my ideals now in terms of, of lifestyle and travel and, and, and what I want has, has changed a lot to, you know, when I was in my early 20s traveling around. So, um, you know, I know that'll keep continue to, uh, to adapt as I get older. But, you know, travel's always going to be an integral part of my life. I'm, I'm probably done with the days where I chuck on a backpack and head out the door for 12 months and just, you know, live out of that backpack and host out, host down, jump around. And because, you know, that's, that's great and it's brilliant, but it's also, it's, it's, it's bloody tiring. You don't, you don't realize how tiring sometimes these backpacking trips are. You're constantly on the move, constantly on the go. You know, I don't love stability, but I do like routine as well. I am very organized. So, you know, that sort of gets thrown out the window a bit, but nowadays, uh, at least for the next sort of while, um, I do have a goal to travel for at least three months every year. I write that down whenever I do my yearly reviews and set goals for the next year, and that's to actively travel for for three months every single year. So it's at the moment it's closer to about four or five. I think I'm still up there pretty high, but um, that'll continue to do it. And I think uh, yeah, my travel my travel goals these days are much more expedition based. So rather than as I said, putting on a backpack and just seeing where I end up, which is sort of what I do anyway. But it's like uh, it's more they're more based like uh, the Iceland trip where my goal was to ride around a country. So I chose a country. We went and got bikes and we did that and we travelled. But you know the purpose was to cycle around a country or like this one in Alaska. The purpose is to get to Magic Bus from into the wild and hike back under our own power. And yeah, so I think I'll continue to do that. Um, we spoke earlier. My my visa expires here in Canada in, in April 2018. So this has been my home base pretty much since 2008 sort of every couple of years on and off and uh, I want to head back to Australia I think I don't really know but I'm definitely open to it you know I, uh, I want to get back and see a lot of my family and a lot of, a lot of the new family that you know that have come along who I've never met or met very very briefly over the last over the last decade so um, the the rough plan that's very open to change <laughs> is uh, to come back to, to come back to Australia um, in sort of early to mid next year and to buy a camper van and sort of DIY a camper van myself and learn about, uh, you know, the mechanics of the, of the car and building that because I really have no idea. So, you know, I want to learn that while I'm doing it and then um, and then drive around Australia and, and New Zealand. That's the sort of the main goal to have my sights on for the next sort of 12, 18 months and go along the coastline and, you know, I'm a big free diver, big surfer and just to uh, – yeah, just get out and explore parts of Australia that, that I, I haven't done because it's such a beautiful and big country. So, But, yeah, I don't know, mate. It's hard to say in, in long terms what the end game is because it, I'm constantly adapting and, and times are constantly changing who I am and what my perspective is. But, yeah, I definitely definitely don't see myself, uh, you know, I don't want to say settling down because that's sort of everybody's favourite term. But, um, you know, I definitely want a family and I definitely want um, some creature comforts, but I also want a life 
that uh, I'm excited about and that I get up every day and I'm stoked with what I'm doing and I'm stoked for tomorrow and, you know, I'm happy with the things I did the day before. And, and that's not always going to happen that way. But, you know, if I'm – I just feel like you need you need to – you need to live like you give a fuck a little bit and just and just really sort of have at it. And yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. And who knows where that'll take me, mate? It could could take me anywhere. It could it could mean settling down. But yeah, for now, it's just just doing what makes me happy and gets me excited. And and you know, and and just trying to share that as much as possible. And just with that sharing, Dane, where can people learn a bit more about you? Yep. So I've got the uh, the website. It's uh, thelifestyleempire.com. Um, you know, I'm on that. I write, that's basically my little passion project where I write about the things I get up to, what I learn. It basically encapsulates everything under like travel, adventure, movement, um, you know, lifestyle design in terms as well. But, you know, it could be anything from like how, how I increased my breath hold while I was free diving to, uh, to anything from there. But it's just a bit of an online resource. Uh, otherwise I'm pretty active, probably most active on Instagram and that's the dot lifestyle dot empire. Uh, I don't use Twitter at all, really, and then and Facebook is the uh, is the lifestyle empire. So they're my they're my main go tos, and you can always get in contact with me on that and shoot me a question. I'm pretty good at replying back when I'm when I'm in range. So um, yeah, hit me up with anything, any questions anybody has, or if you just want to drop a line, or if I haven't seen you since high school, send a freaking send a selfie. I'd love to see what you're up to. So nice. Yeah, that's and about, I think that's yeah, yeah, the, take, uh, sorry, mate. I'm just say take it from me. I, Dane puts a lot of things up on social media. Not, not, a, not when I say a lot. A lot of the things he puts up, are, they hit the mark. Yeah, you know, they're profound and, and they definitely capture my attention. I know either look at the photo or read what he has to say. So, uh, like I said, I think that's that's the essence of what you're about, mate. Is you, you don't put a heap on there, but when you do, you want to make it stick. And you know, from my point of view, you do that very well. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Any parting advice for the listeners when it comes to lifestyle, travel, or anything, mate? Uh, parting advice, um, you know, I think that just, um, you know, I say this all the times, but just, just really do, yeah, it's so cliched, but you know, just, just do what you're excited about, do what you love, do what you're passionate about and, you know, and, and strive to, to, to make these things a reality, you know, don't, don't succumb to, oh, it's too hard or I'll do that later on, you know, just really strive to to be the best version of yourself and, and create the best version of, of, a, of a life and lifestyle that you can yourself and, and uh, you know, be grateful for what you've got already in that, in that process. So I think that's the, uh, that'd be my, <laughs> my wise or not wise <laughs> words of advice, mate. So I like that's it, sort of how I, like I do it. it. And I, you know, I always say that life's just one experience after another, some good, some bad, some indifferent. And it's, it's your, you know, it's in your control to create, you know, that experience one after the other. So, you're going to look back in 50 years and you have some fantastic memories. And I said, I'm glad. I'm, I really appreciate you coming on, on the podcast today and, and, and sharing a bit about your story and some, some tips when it comes to traveling and, and creating a life that, uh, that you desire. So, so, Dane Bergman, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on. And uh, who knows, mate, maybe we'll grab a backpack one day and go shoot off and do a little, little jaunt to some foreign country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lock it in. Do my bucket list yeah. now. I'm running it down. I'll, mate, I'll hold you to that. Oh, I, know you will. I know you will. So I better, I better get myself organized. Good on you, mate. Too easy, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank Thanks, you. Mate. Cheers. The fact that you're listening to this podcast tells me that you're driven. Driven to improve in your business, your team, your health, or your personal life. Why don't you turn that drive into action and contact Ryan Waite today? Ryan brings a straightforward approach to his speaking and coaching to create the best results for you, your team, or your business. He assists in closing the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Ryan is the author of two books, Leadership Within, 20 Ways to Unlock the Leader in You, and Progressive Mindset. He is also the host and producer of this podcast. He is one of the most engaging, refreshing, and thought-provoking speakers out there today. Get in touch with Ryan to see how he can assist you by heading to his website, ryanweightperformance.com. Ryan can also be found on all the relevant social media platforms. We look forward to you listening to the next episode of The Mindset Project. Have a great day.